Welcome to TechBytes.nz. These are tech and leadership talks with two ends. I'm Craig Young, I'm the CEO, and this week we're talking with Andy Berner. He's the VP uh, for Operations at Zero COO Americas, and the Honorary Consul for New Zealand in Colorado. He's a Brit Kiwi, and he has a unique perspective on the post-pandemic world of technology. Kia and welcome everybody to this week's Tech Bites. Uh, great to have my mate Andy Berner here all the way from Colorado. He'll tell you a little bit more about that. So why don't we just get in straight into it, Andy. Uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you know your journey from New Zealand. Why did you leave? And uh, where you're living and working now? Well, it's, it's really cool to see you, Craig. It, is about, it feels like it uh, hasn't been, what, maybe six, seven, eight years since we worked together. Just jumping on this call, it feels like no time has passed at all. So, yes, I'm here in uh, Colorado, Denver, Colorado, which is right in the middle of America. I'm about a thousand miles from the sea at the closest way I might uh, head at about 5,000 feet, about a mile high in elevation. Uh, you and I know each other from my work at Chorus. Uh, yeah. So I, um, you can hear from my accent, I'm English originally, but I've spent half my life, um, 20 years in New Zealand, uh, mostly in Auckland and Wellington. Um, so I'm a dual citizen, New Zealand and, and UK. And uh, I worked with you, when I worked with you, I worked in human resources and HR and helping a scale chorus, uh, Telecom and Spark before that. Sorry, it was called Telecom back then. Now it's Spark in New Zealand. Um, and I had the opportunity to work with Zero uh, back in, must be 2014. So I joined Zero when it was a lot smaller than it is today. We were about uh, maybe 350,000 customers globally. It was already a listed company. I think the market cap was somewhere around the one kind of billion mark. Can't quite remember. We had, I remember, 750 staff around the world. Uh, and today, I think we're over three and a half thousand, 20 billion market cap, uh, over 2.8 million subscribers or customers on our platform. Uh, so it's seen immense growth. And I've been able to have the opportunity to come to the US and work on the US and Canada or Americas, as we call it, kind of growth strategy. So I didn't leave New Zealand. I came to America. <laughs> I don't think anyone leaves New Zealand. And also I have a second role as the honorary consul uh, for, New, uh, for New Zealand to Colorado, a role which I was appointed into just a couple of weeks back. So uh, looking forward to doing some work there in that space and helping New Zealand companies connect uh, here in the US. How, do you, um, how does that sort of thing happen? You get appointed to being... How does it happen? Like um, yeah. So uh, over the last few years, since Zero uh, set up shop in, in Denver, Colorado, as the headquarters for the Americas, I was obviously heavily involved in that, and it created a bit of a, I suppose, a beacon somewhat for New Zealand small tech companies and yeah. talent uh, to Denver. And Denver really is an up-and-coming tech destination, uh, and it has a lot of similarities with New Zealand. So we already have companies here. Uh, you know, we have the mountains. We have venture. You see a lot of Kiwis coming out, working in the ski fields, those types of things. Um, so there was already kind of some connectivity in the aerospace and technology industries. And uh, over time, just more and more companies coming here, they needed somebody on the ground. And um, I opportunity to host uh, members of parliament and other people who've come out here to understand kind of how things are working here. And over time, I got asked if I'd like to apply for this gig uh, I went for a selection process uh, a couple of years ago now, and it took quite a while to get through all the appropriate hopes to set up a new consulate. And uh, you just got appointed into that role, which is 
exciting. I haven't actually done anything yet, so I can't tell you <laughs> what it is that I'll be doing uh, in too much detail. <laughs> well, I know you pretty well, so I'm sure you'll be a great uh, ambassador for us in that, in, in that space. Hey, let's just talk a little bit about pre-COVID, so we'll, we'll get mm. to COVID soon. Um, but what was it like working for a New Zealand company overseas when you first moved over there? Um, so I think it was it was quite a culture shock. So we, you know, I've travelled, I've worked in the US in and out. I've travelled the US on vacation here, holiday. Uh, you watch US TV all day, right? You think you know it. And you get here and it's just, it's just not, it's just so different. And remember the US is just one place. The US is, you know, states and the kind of cultural differences just between the different cities that you might work in and visit. So it was a big culture shock. Uh, it has been pre-COVID, obviously. It was, a, it was a culture shock. It took a little while to kind of understand you know, how, to, how to do business here. Um, it's at a scale that we don't experience in New Zealand. And, and when I say scale, that could be customer numbers or people or the things that people have had the opportunity to experience. There's always somebody who knows or has done something very different to you. Um, and really tapping into networks and meeting people, it kind of expanded my, expanded my horizons, expanded my viewpoints, I think, was probably the best way. I really felt like I was learning how to do my job all over again. Uh, I started here specifically um, with my HR hat on, and that kind of broadened over time. So I got to learn how to do different roles as well as work in a different context. I must say, though, it's a... Uh, it's a really fun place to do business. There's so much going on here all the time. Yeah, yeah, fair mm. enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then, well, then, um, I suppose that's the other benefit of working in a large organisation and in a larger environment. You can develop and move and change. You know what yeah. you're doing. You can move out of HA. You move into other areas. Um, it's, what, it's something I've always said to people who work in corporate. It's always look for opportunities that are around you. It's been really cool to be part of a New Zealand organization expanding into the US because we've really been able to uh, uh, bring a little bit of uh, New Zealand and, and Australia into a kind of culture, work culture into what we do, the way that we think about our benefits for our staff, the way we think about kind of health and well-being, the way we think about um, kind of empowering people in their in their roles. You really and, and a lot of companies here already do that, but we really brought that kind of flavor through, and it's been something which I think team members here would would notice it different to most corporate America kind of jobs. And it's something we're quite proud of, the culture that we've exported and created in the organisation here. Yeah. Actually, you may not be able to answer this question, but when you talk about Zero in the Americas, hmm. what sort of percentage are local people working for Zero? Yeah, so most of the most of the employees in, in the US and Canada um and I don't think we break the staff numbers up, but most of the employees are from um, are, are from here, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there is a handful of us who have been imported from other parts of the globe who have experienced zero in different growth phases. So we're able to bring that kind of knowledge and mesh it with the local knowledge. Um, it's interesting. You see between other other places pre COVID, you see a lot of traveling, you know, younger employees who are doing their gap years and stuff, but already had a Maybe a gig of us in New Zealand really wanted to work in the UK and the other way around. And that was a really cool thing we were able to enable that so people could have their overseas experience 
and also kind of keep their career forming, which has been really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a we we did a, a a session a couple of months ago with a couple of young Kiwis, one in Canada and one in the UK, just talking about what's it like in this current environment, and, and they were actually mm. quite positive about people still being able to get overseas. Well, let's just talk about the pandemic, shall we? Because um, you know, within your yeah. where, we, where you are, I mean, how has it generally impacted your life and and the way you work and your organisation? It is such a big question. Uh, It is such a big question. So I've had the ability to see the pandemic from multiple viewpoints. So as you know, I was able to come, I was very lucky in the fact that I was able to come back to New Zealand uh, November last year through to February, um, and which were some of the darkest days here in the US with the highest case numbers pre-vaccination. So I got to, to, I've got to experience the pandemic living in it here, and also the viewpoint that one forms in New Zealand, where it's something that's happening somewhere else with um, circuit breakers in place. So I'll kind of, I'll maybe break into components from a work perspective. It's been, um, it's been really interesting. I haven't been into an office apart from when I was in New Zealand for over 500 days. I've been in my basement and I'm very lucky. I have an office in my basement I can work from. Many people in shared housing or accommodation flooding situations haven't had that luxury, right? So that's been, it's been really interesting. Um, the way that we do work has changed fundamentally. I think we'll talk a bit more about that kind of down track, but that's been, again, relearning how to do business in a completely virtual environment. And I'd say that, I had an advantage because we do international business. A lot of it is virtual, but it was it's still a big lift to, to be able to work like this versus in person, especially for some of us who are more extroverted. Uh, I, I, as you remember from working together, I, you know, I really like being around people. So it was a bit of a struggle. Um, then personally, we'll, we'll probably pop back to that work component when we talk a little bit yeah. Yeah. later. But personally, um, it's been a journey. So at first it was kind of novel. We had, we, so we went into a, you know, a lockdown here, just like you, you know, you've experienced in New Zealand, but it lasted for a long, I don't I actually know how long it lasted. It seemed to just stretch on forever and the science was changing. So, you know, we didn't know if you could, are the Amazon packages safe? Do you need to bleach yep. them before you bring it into your door? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you make sure that you could get, you know, your groceries to hire about exposing yourself to this rampant virus to then kind of understanding it was an airborne virus. And if you wear a mask, you could you know, wash your hands, you could pretty much still get to the supermarket. And so, and, and, but not having any um, social interaction, everyone kind of, you know, keeping, keeping themselves. We didn't have the bubble concept. That was a New Zealand thing. So there wasn't like, there wasn't like you have a bubble, like it's like you're not supposed to see people. Um, but also depending on where you are in the States, or what your beliefs may be, you may you may or may not have been living that experience, which is really interesting. The schools yeah. were shut down yeah. for most of the school year. So my, what was seven-year-old daughter, she's eight now, doing all her second grade classes, so second year at school, all of them remote virtually for six, seven hours a day, yeah. six, seven hours a day, all day, while I was sitting, I'm sitting... 10 feet away, uh, doing work all day virtually. So it was, it was a very strange thing to see um, how the schools adjusted and how you know parents were having to help tutor children while working remotely 
or if they're in service jobs, they were still out there being exposed to the pandemic. So, you know, quite a quite an interesting uh, quite interesting view into how people's worlds were different. I think someone said it best. We we might all be in the same ocean, but we're not in the same boat. Honestly, yeah, yeah, but good, people good are experiencing it very differently. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, you mentioned in there, you know, you you are an extrovert, and yep, absolutely. I know you well. Worked with you as a leader. I mean, what did it? What did you change as a leader as a result of that experience? Yeah. So I think there's some of those things that we've changed in how we work will stick with us um, yeah. now. So I feel that we we as an organisation, I'll use the America's business because we're because that's kind of how I'm experiencing it there's far more interconnectivity than there ever was in the office because we have been very deliberate in putting in place motions to ensure that we are connected. So one really basic things like our leadership team here would meet every morning at nine o'clock virtually and we're spread across multiple time zones. We kind of, it was nine o'clock in my time zone, 8 a.m. in San Francisco, kind of 11 out on the East Coast. We'd have coffee and we'd talk about what was happening that day. Now, we, we were all dispersed. We never met daily to talk about what was happening. Yeah. We, we relied on the interconnectivity and in our weekly formal meetings. So a lot more informal and deliberate um, time connections, which kept us really connected. Uh, more use of tools. So, you know, we always had Slack and Asana boards, project management and all of these things. But we heavily rely on the asynchronous ways of working now. So we were already doing it with other time zones. Now we're doing it within our time zone. And the particular mesh of that personal life and uh, work life when particularly for parents or whatever it might be, because those services of having a child at time would be available, meant that what would normally be you're going to go to something, we now rec record a lot of those meetings. We have notes sent out. We use Slack to kind of ask questions in. We you know, submit forms in advance. It's much more deliberate ways of working, which I think has increased our efficiency and actually reduced stress. Now, I don't, you know, if I have to do something, I, go, I know it's okay for me to skip a meeting because I know there's ways that I'm going to be up to speed. I've got ways of making sure my input's put in. Um, so, I, so when we go to back to the office, which hopefully won't be too long, but the Delta variant's causing a few issues on that for us, and we can talk to that. Yeah. We're going to keep those ways of working. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, we're going and look. I was one of I. Those ways are all good. I like talking to people, so I'm one of the last people you're going to get to work asynchronously, and and I and I do it fine. Um, and we should probably talk. I think we're seeing that in outside of the work realm and people's personal lives here in the US where vulnerable people, a lot of my neighbors are in their kind of 60s and 70s. And they, you know, until the vaccines came out, they weren't able to kind of leave their homes. So yeah. they all play poker online with, um, on Zoom and they're, they're on Snapchat. And they, 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 there's been a digital transformation education forced by loneliness, which I've never seen before, which I don't imagine, but we've had to the same extent in New Zealand, we're probably seeing it in Australia with their lockdown. So it's really interesting seeing that kind of self-serve education and digital trends changing here. So different consumers now. It's a fascinating conversation because, you know, we look back, I mean, this time last year, actually yeah. we would have been out of lockdown this time last year. We might have been in a level three or two. I can't remember, you know, we bounced around a little bit last year. But um, it's not until you talk to people who live in other environments. I mean, I've got a son in Northern Ireland. I mean, he hasn't been in the office about the same amount of time. In fact, he's just started a brand new job, picked up his laptop from somewhere and um, did all his induction yesterday online. So, 
you know, he, yeah. and he doesn't know when he's going back to the office. So it's it's quite it's a really different way. I really like that uh, comment you made about the um, you know the meeting that you have with your leadership team, um, and I think you said you were going to continue that on. Yeah, we will. We, uh, we've actually skidded it down to a couple of days a week now, um, but we're going to continue that informal uh, cadence on top of our normal ones because it caps the connectivity that you used to get just by bumping into each other, but always with a dispersed leadership team, you didn't capture everybody's views and opinions. Do you remember the days when we used to do um, audio meetings? There'd be five, there'd be like, this is when we were at Chorus, you know, there'd be eight people in Wellington and two of us in Auckland. And the two of us in Auckland would get bored of our bored out of our brains, couldn't keep up with the conversation. Um, but the tools these days, I mean, the conversations I'm having, I heard a presentation last week, you basically got all or nothing, isn't it? You've got to be all on video yeah. or, or all in the room because it just right. is complicated trying to do it any other way. It's it's really interesting because, you know, we've always talked about in the HR world, you know, which jobs can be done from um, from home. I remember one of my early kind of things I worked on in HR in New Zealand was a company's kind of remote call centre stuff. How, how are we going to make that happen, right? And then all of a sudden over here, we just had to make it happen. And um, it wasn't so much a problem for us, but you see companies that would never do remote working before. Now they've gone 18 months without having people in the offices. Like it's, if, if it's, uh, if it's worked that long, it now works. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Uh, I think one of the McKin- McKinsey did a good um, paper back in October. So still only halfway to where we've got today around the, the trends that were most likely to stick. And I think, um, I think it was about over half of companies thought the, the increase in remote working and remote collaboration is going to be, you know, one of the biggest things that stick. Um, and the, the first biggest thing was changing customer expectations. And I, you talk about personal life. I, I sit home working now, and if I need my tires on the car changed, I just go online and someone turns up and ties it. Like, everything comes to you now. Yeah. And so it's really like the idea of going sitting in the garage for an hour and a half or for an oil change or something, you just wouldn't do it. It's, 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 hit. it's gone way outside technology, right? Like technology enabled services everywhere. It is, yeah. um, it is really interesting. I think it was just a n- natural evolution of what was happening, got sped up by what, depending on who you read. The McKinsey article says seven years. I saw there was a quote in your um, uh, accelerating a connected yeah. kind of world paper. There was yeah. a quote about two, two years and two months. But, you know, stuff that was going to happen happened on fast forward and businesses that weren't going to make it, they didn't make it. Yeah, that's really interesting because, I mean, obviously here we're we're talking and and the government's coming up with a strategy shortly about, well, we presume they are around digital adoption and the momentum. And there's a lot of work to keep that momentum sort of going that came out of lockdown. And obviously we didn't have as big a lockdown as you, but you're obviously, um, you're already talking about it, but you're seeing that same boost happening in yeah. the US where that adoption and momentum is is just not ending or or is it? No, I, I, I don't. So I don't have any data points. But looking at that Mc, kind of McKinsey article that I read a couple of months ago, which is one of the best ones, talked about a whole, whole change in customer profile. Like, as I said, yeah. people that never use digital tools learn how to use them and they're not going to suddenly drop them. No. So now, you, now you're engaging with a, a whole different um, kind of consumer customer expectation and businesses that can't take you know, 
who can't do e-commerce or can't deliver a service to the home or weren't able to, you know, use digital payments. Those businesses just, their business model got disrupted so badly, it, it fell away. And um, whether this pandemic, however it ends in some yeah. way, shape, yep. or form, mm-hmm. um, those those expectations, I don't think are going to go backwards. I mean, sometimes it's novel to go somewhere to get something. You know, people like to go to a retail store to try something on. But once you know you're sizing in that store, if you can order everything for free online with no return issues, then you're going to do it. Uh, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, my mum's 81. She doesn't go to Briscoe's anymore. She orders it online because it's free delivery, you know? Yeah, it's it just sped up so quickly. Um, although, although she does still go to the bank because she wants to talk to the bank people. Yes, she just wants a conversation. Under, you can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we're also seeing a massive economy boom here. So, you know, lots of organisations finding it really hard to recruit and retain talent. I'm not to talk about technology and highly paid organisations. I mean, you know, restaurants, gas stations, like there's these like, you know, signs up everywhere. People can't hire people fast enough. Um, which is really interesting as well. That's a really interesting one because obviously there's a lot of conversation in New Zealand about skills um, Mm -hmm. and particularly around, uh, you know, in the sector we're in about, you know, because immigration is closed, uh, bringing in workers um, and just the the difficulty of finding staff. It's interesting that it's not just us, um, that you're finding that in the States as well. So it does change. It has changed everything, hasn't it? It has. I was... um... I was actually thinking about this, about kind of New Zealand's position on with skills. It's hard to find, you know, the, with the borders yeah. closed to protect us, it's going to be really hard, you know, for that kind of positive immigration that comes in, highly skilled workers. But then to a point, all those jobs can be done asynchronously and remotely now, if you think about those roles. However, that cuts both ways. New Zealand workers could be hired by yeah. much better funded, uh, highly paying organisations from overseas and and go the other way so i just i don't know how that kind of plays out over the long term because new zealand mm. workers are, you know are very skilled and you know great um especially technology great technology workers so i don't i don't know if anyone has kind of started recruiting on mass into you know organizations like that but with the skill shortages we're seeing around the world i'm not i'm surprised that hasn't started happening too much that's a really good point actually andy um yeah hey um just, just lifting the vision a little bit because you're in a in your role, you are a, a, a digital leader and you're a Kiwi. So, you know, we have the aim of New Zealand being in the top ten by 2030. We're about 19th at the moment. Um, looking back from where you are to us, you know, what are the big ideas you think we should focus on? So, uh, thank you for giving me a heads up on this question because you did, um, and I needed a minute to think about it because. There's so, there's so much in that bucket that you could do. Um, and not too long ago, I read your uh, research article around the digital priorities for New Zealand, which I thought was, was really cool. Some really great insights in there. One thing that really stands out to me, uh, and it might be through my lens as kind of a, a people leader over time, is education and the digital divide and uh, is what's going to make a big difference. So... I don't think we're ever going to get to the top 10 unless we have, unless we are producing and enabling highly talented individuals to learn, to learn these things, these trades almost, right? Otherwise, we just won't have the 
capacity to become a digital-led nation. So it's, I think it starts at education. It's also the people whose jobs are going to be disrupted over time but, um, by the digital digitalization of the workforce. We need to make sure those people have access to the training and education to retool themselves for the world this today. Otherwise, we'll leave behind a lot of people socioeconomically, um, and that won't be that won't be good for any of us. Mm. Is that how, how's that come out in kind of conversations that you've been having? It's such an interesting point, Andy, because you know we are as a membership association, we're strongly corporate, and corporate uh, membership is is incredibly strong. So you know, I'm often talking to the digital leaders, and even through that piece of research, I was quite pleasantly surprised how the divide or the equity issue came mm. up from a lot of leaders and I know working with the uh, digital boost alliance it's the same thing you know how do we lift everybody and leave nobody behind I think it's an incredibly important conversation we need to have and, um and oh, when actually, I was thinking about, yep. oh sorry no Craig you go no I was just gonna say it's not just a conversation you've got to do something about it yeah I think uh it's, it's a hard one, right? It's like every economic shift over, be it the Industrial Revolution, you know, when someone came along with a steam train, um, steam train tractor and the people are there pushing their, pushing their plow, right? We've got to retrain people in some way so we don't you know, leave them behind. Also, cybersecurity, I think, is going to be really interesting. So New Zealand has a reputation, you know, with one of the least corrupt countries in the world. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a reputation around New Zealand, which is positive, Right, and also cybersecurity is becoming a big issue. So if you think about outsourcing or um, taking stuff overseas, people worry about security and the types of people that might work for them. I think New Zealand may have an opportunity for its brand to uh, to be a leader in that space. I don't I don't know what that looks like. It was just kind of something that came to mind as I was musing it. And I think security is becoming cybersecurity. One with everybody. Uh, working remotely over here at the moment, you know, security of your infrastructure and your information is extremely important and top of mind. And add to that the recent cyber attacks that we've been seeing on critical infrastructure, yeah. oil pipelines, hospitals. Um, I think it's going to be really important. Yeah, I, I think in New Zealand, um, you know, our physical distance has worked really well for us in COVID. Yes, but it doesn't it doesn't work for you in cyber at all because you're milliseconds away or microseconds away from anywhere when it comes to that. Um, I'll just ask you one more question, which I didn't actually send through to you, but this is really around some of our future leaders who will be listening. You know, mm. you talked about it earlier that, you know, Kiwis, young Kiwis typically look to do their OE, et cetera. Uh, it's a little bit on the back burner at the moment, but would you, I mean, you've got experience around the world. Do you still encourage people to try and get out and have a look around the world? So I think the answer to that is yes. I do. I think the problem right now is not leaving New Zealand. It's getting back. Yeah, right? that's right. And, um, yeah. It can be very, especially for a younger person heading off on their first big adventure, to know that they don't know when the door's going to be open for them to come back and, and you kind of cast the loan off into the world. I think it's probably going to be quite a, a scary thing to go after. But you, yeah. can, you can get on a... You can get on a plane, you can leave New Zealand, you can walk into a pharmacy in the US and get a vaccine, you know, without an appointment. Yeah. So you can protect yourself. Um, but obviously there are, you know, variants of this thing running around where the people are still getting sick. So New Zealand is safe and where I think everybody would choose to be right now 
from a kind of health and safety and a <laughs> longevity point of view. But the world is still turning and jobs, you know, there's a boom uh, around the world in different places and there's still jobs to be done and things to be learned. So I think if you're ready to, if you've always wanted to do it, there's nothing stopping you going. Just it's yeah. uh, the way back will be tricky. And you do hear of people stuck around the world, in both in New Zealand and Australia, who would love to be home uh, and aren't able to. So I think one has to go into it with their eyes wide open. Cool. Yeah. Look, Andy, it's been great talking to you. Great to see you again. Is there anything else you want to say before we uh, finish up? Right, well, firstly, thanks so much for inviting me to chat to you. It's lovely to see you. Um, and I think it's just, uh, it's been great. I was so lucky to be able to spend some of COVID in New Zealand, kind of reconnecting with people in New Zealand and feeling and it was like a place that provided kind of safety and shelter for my family. So it was just so lovely to be back. And if anybody does want to uh, touch base about what it is like being overseas, just feel that you know, through you, they can reach out and give me a call. Yeah. Always happy to take five minutes to, to chat. Thanks, mate. Um, people, you can find Andy on LinkedIn um, or you can contact me and I, I can help you out with that. Well, look, so thanks so much, Andy, for your time. It's been awesome talking to you. I mean, it comes back to you. We were talking about this, you know, about working elsewhere. But, you know, two years ago, we wouldn't have thought of doing like a session like this and having a chat with someone overseas. And we're never going to go back. So yeah. this is the new normal. Um, yeah. Great challenge, Greg. You yeah, stay safe right. and well over there. You too. All right. Uh, Matiwa. Matiwa.